Aloha. Today's episode is brought to you by the Western Extension Risk Management Education Center, Western Regional Agricultural Stress Assistance Program, Farm and Ranch Stress Assistance Network, USDA NIFA, and the University of Hawaii College of Tropical Ag and Human Resources and the Livestock Extension Group. Aloha and welcome to the Livestock Bala Ao, a podcast aimed to provide educational support, information, guidance, and outreach to our livestock stakeholders in Hawaii. We are your hosts, Mele Oshiro and Shannon Sam. And today we're going to be talking about egg tax preparedness. Woo! Shannon's going to, Shannon and I are going to be the only two on here, but Shannon yeah. is going to be sharing a lot about what to do, how to prepare for your tax season, um, and some tips and things that uh, she can help you with. So, yeah. So I do want to give some caveats that this is based off of the 2021 Farmers Tax Guide from the IRS and the ruraltax.org uh, website. The updated 2022 Farmers Tax Guide has not come out. And when I say farmer, that's the IRS's definition. That means anybody involved in the agricultural industry. And that includes things like cut flowers, nursery, landscaping. All of that falls under the word farmer, including ranches. So livestock, all of that stuff falls under the word farmer. So when I say it, I mean it in the most possible generic terms. But also, I'm going to say this now, consult your ag tax professional just to make sure you're doing what you need to do. So I'm trying to give as many caveats in advance of this as possible because everybody's situation is different. And especially here, everybody's so diverse and it's just so different. So, okay. So let's talk a little bit about why is it important to keep records for taxes. It feels like one of those obvious things, but like, <laughs> you know, so, but it is a summary of business transactions, documentation to support your transactions, and then documentation regarding assets. And the IRS has specific ways that they prefer for like producers to record those transactions and assets. It's also really important to keep those for however long you need to. And I feel like this is also one of those things where, right? Like how ever, I feel like everybody asks the question, like how long should you keep like your mm. tax records and receipts? Mele, do you right. know? I've always had the the number of seven years in my head for some reason. And I don't even know if that's true or not. So depending on what you're doing, like if it's uh, related to healthcare stuff, they can do like a seven year look back in some states, 10. In some states, infant, like it can be, again, it depends on state to state. But uh, for ag related stuff, oftentimes the answer is it depends. So it's not a really good answer. <laughs> <laughs> but generally, again, depending on the doc, like anything employee related, at least four years, at least four. And so it depends that- on what the what you are recording or what it's the transaction was on how long you probably have to keep those records for. Yeah. So like employment taxes, assets, and then records for non-tax purposes, you think, oh, I don't need to keep this because it's not related to whatever. You might need to. You really should look. Again, we will link the tax guide. And the nice thing is with the IRS's website is it auto updates to whatever the newest version is available. Mm-hmm. And When we're recording this, only the 2021 was available. The IRS likes to like really make push you down to the wire when stuff is due. So they really like to. Are the deadlines sort of similar though? Like when um, every year, right? They're sort of similar. It is. It is. It doesn't change too much. But that being said, 
actually for the last two years since 2020, we've had quite a few because we had the CARES Act and the CFAP. And those right. do actually have certain things that pertain and are particular to like ag producers if you receive payments for stuff. So sometimes you have to claim that as an income. Sometimes you don't have to. Either way, again, keep those records. Because if you get audited, you really want to have all of your ducks in a row as much as possible. So, you know, but I just want to say, too, like as far as records, like for me, that's the hard thing, right? Keeping track of all those receipts and forms. So I want to just share, like I've been using the Adobe Scan app on my iPhone, which has been absolutely amazing. It turns anything you can turn any document you have into a PDF. It stores it in there. You can share it. So if you have things backing up on your phone to like your Google Drive or Dropbox, it will put it directly into that folder and you can literally file it away and don't have to worry about losing it. And you just name it, whatever it is that's easy for you to search and you can search your files that way. Yeah. Just I email myself receipts a lot and then I have a a folder for like receipts, tax deductible year. That's another good way. So it's there. I the electronic form because you can always reprint it. <laughs> and we <laughs> talked to. to one producer a couple of weeks ago, Alex, yeah. and he actually set himself up a Google form, Ooh. which is yep. phenomenal because he actually put in different categories that are related to his schedule. F. And mm-hmm. I was just like, that's so smart. And then it populates like a Google Sheets for him. And yeah. then he just downloads it as an Excel file at the end of the year. So Again, there's lots of And that's all all the things that you can do from your smartphone or whatnot. So I I am a big fan of using my smartphone just to track my like cash flows, ins and outs. And it's yeah. 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 So Adobe Scan, that's an easy one to use. Even I just I've even just done pictures. I mean, you don't want to always, but it's you know, the Adobe Scan I feel is a little more secure. So, um, but yeah, yeah, that's one I really need to try out. I feel like I haven't Mm -hmm. tried that one yet. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. I know a lot of people like it. No, it's good. It's good. So some other reasons that you want to keep all these records are related to things like your cash flows, debt to equity ratios, and your asset valuation. We'll talk a little bit more about like just very, we're tip, we're very tippy top of the iceberg here. Well, I think there's a lot, right? Yeah. So the and last I, one of these I did, it still was really, I would say, like tip of the iceberg and it was two hours, but we're not going to be that long today. So, um, but yeah, so it's just there's there's a lot of information and, you know, like when are taxes due, Mele? Yeah, April 15th. Yeah. yeah. So our personal taxes, everybody seems to know that date, but there are other really important dates, particularly for those working in the ag industry. And that is January 17th, where... I want to say if it's two about two thirds of your income is from farming or farming related activity could be fishing too, by the way, um, your payment, you, your, your tax prepayment is due then. And then if your, your schedule F is due March 1st. So like a month and a half before your personal taxes are due, your like farming tax stuff is due. And then, like I said, the, you, ha- you prepay on a lot of it. So like the payment is due even before then in January. So that's the other reason we're trying to really get some of this tax prep stuff out so that you can start thinking about it now and making sure you have those receipts gathered and some of these things, you know. Yeah, started. those deadlines so, are a lot sooner. A lot sooner than, than we think. Our yeah. personal taxes. So. I mean, unfortunately, the other thing is, is that oftentimes the updates to these IRS manuals don't come out till 
like December. So again, if your payments due January, you, you have to do the best you can with the information you currently have, but mm-hmm. you might have to pivot, pivot and swerve a little bit there too. I The best bet is really to talk to your ag tax professional, ag tax professional. <laughs> and so you make sure you're getting like maximum benefits. So now I know that's yeah. a question we've had a lot too. And there are, there are a few like accountants in the state that have some specialty in ag is my understanding. Yeah. I was going to ask you, is there, uh, I mean, how, how do you know, do you go just looking for tax preparers and ask them, or is there like a resource on like certified list or something on Mm. no list? No, that would be wonderful. So there Mm -hmm. is what's called the, if you're trying to like actually prep your own records, there's what's called the center for farm financial management and the Farm Financial Standards Council. So it's a, a group of people that basically get together and kind of define. And a lot of them are obviously like USDA and different accounting, mm. accountants, banks, lenders. Like it's a lot of different people with various backgrounds, but kind of define. They actually like make a book every year. And they are some of the ones that like contribute to the IRS Farm Farmer's Tax Guide. And they basically kind of create a guideline of like how to record all of your information. So, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so, but no, they don't have, there's not that I'm aware of, there might be a list of professionals, Mm -hmm. but your best bet is to uh, ask your friends and family who they use uh, if they know anyone local. So we met someone the other week. So I was like real excited and pleased. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So so maybe something that we should have, um, maybe talked about in the in the beginning beginning is right is um defining a farmer and f- defining are you a farmer should you be yeah so right? i'm glad you brought that up so the irs's definition of a, a farmer again it's way more generic than we think cuz i was like where i'm from a farmer a rancher a, a landscape person and a nursery person it's all different industries i mean they're all related in a way cuz it's all part of the ag umbrella But again, the IRS, very, very generic umbrella term of farmer. According to the IRS, I'm going to read this verbatim from them because I don't want to get this wrong. You are in the business of farming. If you cultivate, operate, or manage a a farm for profit, either as an owner or a tenant, and you make $400 in income. From that farm, from from that that operation. From that operation. Now, that is very different than USDA's standard definition, right? which is what a thousand dollars in sales. So, you so know. is that the big difference between USDA and IRS definition of a farmer is just the amount of income in general. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they both use it as a very generic term uh, rather than like ag producer, which I, so I think is better. how does that impact a person then? Why, how does that matter? I guess when you're filing your taxes, so I mean, the USDA value of $1,000 defining you as a farmer, that's going to apply only if you're applying for a USDA program. Yeah. Is that correct? Okay. Yes. But like your taxes are due every year. Right. <laughs> so it's like so, you might not be, someone might not be defined technically as, as a farmer by USDA standards, but they may meet that as an IRS and then or within the IRS's definition. And it could be vice versa. You know, Mm. if you have a real low level of like profitability related to or a low margin, I should say, then you might it might classify it as a hobby. So the other Mm -hmm. thing is, is 
the IRS has a lot of very specific like definitions and tests it does related to whether something is classed as a farm or a hobby. Mm. Uh, one of those, and I think it's also pretty general amongst lenders as well, is that three out of five years need to show profit. Oh, okay. So because otherwise, if you have less than that, like, you know, that's only 60% of the time it's showing profit, right? And my understanding is, is obviously if you're starting out, there is some leeway for it to be a slightly longer period of time. That's my understanding. But that being said, on average, in general, you need to show three out of every three out of five years that you're making a profit. So of some sort, it doesn't mean it has to be a lot. You just need to be making something. And I know a lot of us like no one likes to pay taxes. I don't like paying taxes. No one, you know, it's not an enjoyable thing. Right. But it is important, you know. And then they have another thing they call like the nine factors of like whether defining something is like a, a business or a hobby, basically. And it's like, is it run in a business like manner? Do you have expertise on the part of the producer or someone you're working with? What's your time and af- effort? Are your assets potentially valuing, like gaining value mm. or devaluing? And then have you done something like this before? Have you been able to show that like you you can be an entrepreneur or business? And again, like historical information of like income and loss. So and then ha- again, has money been made? That's a big one they ask a lot. Yeah. <laughs> That's one that'll come up. And then um, are we making money? Which like those sound like very similar things, but like they have pretty like slight definition differences between them. And then is it fun? So it was like, which, you know, you think like, well, if I'm enjoying it, so, but they're very specific. Again, you can be enjoying it, but like, it's only one part of the like, way right. they factor this. And this is stuff they use in court. So I was like, keep that in mind. You can enjoy it. But it was like, you need to like, kind of be doing all these other things too. Cause obviously like I enjoy my job, but it's still my job, you know? So. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it's just really important, you know, make sure you're checking the uh, IRS's farm tax guide because they change that every year. It's very similar every year. It's really usually things like the 179 deduction increasing or decreasing by a little. But for the last two years, we've had the CFAP uh, and the CARES right. stuff. So we've had additional payments to producers and stuff. And was it a year or two years ago that we had the drought so bad that it triggered payments? So some of that. Mm-hmm. For the livestock producers, again, that may count as income. Oh, so, okay. I know you would think I'm just trying to keep them alive, but yeah. Accounting. Oh, that's mm, such a big part all of the everything. Fun things. Right? Yep. So a- you want to talk a little bit about the difference between the different types of way you can. Yeah, I'll go a little I bit guess- into cash versus accrual, but I did also want to talk about financial account statements as proof of payment because again this is one of those things that like we don't necessarily think about like oftentimes we're not necessarily getting checks anymore we're getting like a a paypal a venmo card uh an electronic funds transfer eft all that stuff so again the irs has really specific like what they're looking for and what you need to keep track of so for credit cards, you the statement has to show things like the amount charged, the payee's name, and the transaction date. Uh, and for EFTs, obviously, the amount transferred, the payee's name, the date the transfer was posted to the account by the financial institution. Proof of payment of an amount is like really important to have because it doesn't necessarily establish that you're entitled to a tax deduction. 
but you do want to have all of that stuff so that you can keep track of it. You know, some of that, that's going to be really important for you. Um, because if you get, I hate to say it, I, I don't want to like keep scaring people, but I was like, if you get audited, that's a big thing. Yeah. So now how you keep track of that, that's the counting portion of this, right? <laughs> There's actually several different methods. The main two particularly used by ag is cash and accrual. So that's what we're going to really focus on today. A lot of producers, when they start out, they want to do cash because it's easy, right? So what's what you want to define? What's an, uh, explain a little bit what the difference is or what cash and accrual accounting is? Yeah. So under the cash method, um, included in your gross in in your gross income, all items of income that you actually or constructively received during the tax year. So I'm going to use Mele here because we're here together. We're in it together. <laughs> so as an example, let's just say that Mele is an Ulu farmer. I don't know. I'm just making stuff up as we go. And you use the cash method of accounting. So let's say I am like the buyer of your Ulu. I'm a restaurant. I'm a co-op, not a co-op, but a food hub or something along those lines, right? As someone who uses the cash accounting method, you're entitled to receive, let's say, a $10,000 payment on a contract that we have, right? Mm -hmm. In December, 2021, you deliver it, you got it. But you tell me in December, even though I say, hey, it's December 21st, the payment's available. You say, oh, you know, thank you. But like, let's wait till January so I can use that, you know, <laughs> then to pay off Christmas or whatever you want to say. But you're like, I would like to wait till un until January. You still have to claim it on your 2021 taxes. Does that make sense? Because it was available in 2021. Oh, I see. Versus I see. 2022. Yeah. So right. even though you picked the check up in January, because I made it available to you in December, that's when you got to claim it. I know. So anything that's that's received by the end of that year, essentially, needs to be. That's what that, that okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and there's lots of different ways you can look at it. I've got different examples of deferred payment contracts. And they all, again, go back to even if it's deferred, but if you were offered the payment in mm -hmm. that year, if you decline to take it, that's fine, but it's still income. So, and then in regards to examples, you know, like with insurance and stuff, it's broken down by, so if you get like a three-year, like you, because we all need insurance, right? So let's say you prepay, you signed and paid for a $3,600 three-year contract over 36 months, then it's only during those years, right? So, but you did it, say October mm -hmm. of like 2021. And so it would be two out of that 36 times the 3,600. That's all that you can um, deduct or attribute to that $3,600 policy, even though you paid it in that year. Does that make sense? Oh, okay, and then the following it. year, you would take the 12, you'd take the 12 divided by 36 times 36. So you could deduct the full year in 2022 and then the full year in 2023 and in 2024, you only have 10 months in your 36-month contract because we started in October, so we end. I see, I see. Yeah. yeah. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. So, so even though you prepay three year. years ago, which is great, yeah, yeah. you still have to deduct it or only like, attribute those year. expenses. Yeah. So yeah. again, it's it's cash accounting so, is, a, is an easy one, and a lot of people like that one. But the accrual mm -hmm. accounting is the one that is suggested by the Farm Financial Standards Council. Um and the Center for Farm Financial, Man a bunch of them, basically the ag tax preparers. <laughs> That's their suggested one is the accrual accounting. Um, that being said, it is a little bit more challenging to do. 
And under the accrual accounting method, you generally report income in the year it's earned and you deduct or capitalize expenses in the year it's incurred. So the purpose of an accrual method of accounting is to correctly match income and expenses in the correct tax year. So mm. again, it sounds almost, it's they sound very similar, but there are subtle differences related to it. So certain large farm businesses must use an accrual accounting method. So I would imagine that some of the really large livestock producers probably already use that format because usually when you're hitting larger numbers of cattle in particular or livestock, because I was like, there's a lot of large sheep producers on the mainland or goat and stuff. And I was like, you, that is the one that is definitely, that is most suggested by, again, accountants. It's like, and in some cases the IRS requires it. So, mm -hmm. so here's like an example of an expense via the like accrual accounting method. So if Leilani uses a tax, a calendar tax year, so like January to December, right? And mm -hmm. an accrual method of accounting to take advantage of early payment discounts. She paid for seed in October of 2020. The seed was delivered in March of 2021. But economic performance, and that's a big thing with the accrual accounting, right? It didn't occur until the seed was delivered and planted. So even though you paid for it in October, you therefore incur the actual expense in 2021. So again, it's it's real subtle differences between the two of them. You know, so if you are using one method, mm -hmm. you have to stick with that. Or what is so your options is really important that you stick and pick with it, pick it and stick it, <laughs> pick one and stick with it for a while. Um, I would say at least five years, because, again, you have to show profitability three out of the five. That being said, depending on the size of your operation and stuff, if you start out cash, which a lot of people do, and let's say 10 or 15 years go down the road, you grow enough and you're like, wow, I really need to switch to accrual. In some cases, you have to go to the IRS to ask for permission to change it. Oh, yeah. So I was like, that's why I was like, it's really important to start out with like, what is the best option for you? Mm -hmm. So, and again, it is highly suggested by basically most accountants and most bookkeepers that you do an accrual method. It is ever so slightly more challenging but it is the one that is preferred by a lot of tax professionals and including mm -hmm. the IRS. So, you know, like if you're a farmer and you use the accrual method of accounting, uh, you keep your books on the calendar basis. Let's say you sell ginger in December of 2021, but you're not paid until January, right? 2022. So because you use the accrual method, you actually report the sale in 2021 because that is when the income was earned, even though the dollars weren't given to you till 2022, versus if you did the same thing with cash accounting, you would actually report it when you got the money. Money. So you reported right. it in oh, January. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, Again, yeah. Like there are real subtle differences between the two, but those differences can make, you know, and again, it just depends on how your books are set up and how you want to like go forward with right, your operation. Right. Hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. No, I know. And it's like, it's really hard because cash and accrual, like the definitions are literally almost the same. Right. And it's right. just a couple of flip flops of words and locations. And then like, but I, I really like the example of the ginger because I'm like, oh, to me, that's like where the light is. It's just like, oh, it's just flipped. Right. right. So with the cash, I always think it's when you get the cash in hand or you're offered the cash, that's when you have to report it. Right. Mm -hmm. Versus like accrual, you know, it's, slightly different. 
so you want to talk a little bit about the ag tax calculator and how um, mm -hmm. folks can use that. Yeah. So that literally just came out a couple of weeks ago. That was released by the IRS and the ruraltax.org group. Uh, and FYI, ruraltax.org is actually under the IRS. So it's like, so it is like fully legit and it's based off of their information. It mm -hmm. is a really cool calculator that was created, I want to say, by uh, an extension person from Clemson and somewhere else. But the really nice thing with that one is, and again, I'm going to give the caveat that they did the best they could and they're planning on keeping this up. But it basically is a nice way for you to put in your information, your W-2 information um, and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And calculate out and it'll estimate, I should say, as they say the words estimate very heavily in there. It will estimate basically the taxes that you owe um, based on your income. Now, it does not include things like deductions de and depreciation and some of that. So, again, that'll go in your Schedule F. Um, and from there, you'll find out, you know, how it all balances out at the end of the day, so to speak. But it will do a lot of the calculations for you. And it does take into account for each of the 50 states. So you just has a drop down menu and you click Hawaii. And then it's got the estimates for like our um, state income tax. But it's also got like your federal Medicare, um, Medicaid. I can't remember them all. <laughs> but basically all your federal taxes. And it gives you an idea, like at least a ballpark of potentially what your payment should be. And again, like you'll put the rest, you'll put all that into your schedule F and then based on your deductions and all of the other expenses, that'll be obviously how much you owe. But at least it gives you kind of a rough idea of like the money you made and then what you mm -hmm. potentially owe, which is really, really great. We will link that below. It There's is, a whole webinar on how to use that. The whole webinar is 50 minutes long. It's really, yeah. really good though. I will say they did a really good job with it. And I ruraltax.org has a lot of great information for like ag producers in general. That's that's what it's mostly geared towards. And so mm -hmm. they have a lot of really great like webinars and different like just information of fact sheets. So and they like I said, they they keep it up to date really well. And it's it's in conjunction with the IRS. So, you know, it's it's a legit website and it's it's yeah. as up to date as they can make it anyway. <laughs> so but I it's mean, a good it's resource really nice. out there for sure. But yeah. And I also, so because I know when you download the egg tax calculator, it is, it is an Excel sheet. Mm -hmm. And I recognize that not everybody has access to Excel. So I went and I uploaded it as a Google, a Google sheet. So it does work that way if you need to be able to do that. But it is really nice. I mean, it, it is a great decision tool. Um, just to help estimate your like tax liability, you know, and at least it gives you an idea. It doesn't take into account the deductions and a lot of that, but at least it gives you an idea how much you owe, yeah. which is always nice. And it's real simple. It's just two pages and like very, like very easy to do here. I'll show you really quick, Millie. Yeah. I actually just, yeah, I pulled it up. Too. Did you pull it up? Yeah. So, yeah. So it's, it's really nice. You can choose your married status. So it's just got drop down menus. And if this is something y'all are interested in, we, we could contact JC and yeah, Adam. So and see if they'd be willing to do something. But it's it's really a nice, a nice thing where you can go in, choose your filing type, 
you choose your state, which we're Hawaii. I already have that one picked your state income tax rate and anything in gray. You can actually alter that if you need to. So again, it's really nice. And then you just go in. You can tell I used this one yesterday because I was adding things from my W-2. That's not real. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it's just really great that you can add in. It estimates like your Social Security, your Medicare, long-term capital gains. All of that stuff is really, really nice. So it's a pretty schnazzy little tax estimator. So, And it's free. So, and they literally just came out with it like a few weeks ago. Very exciting. Cool. Very good. That's always good. I think some of those things are just helpful to kind of, you know, get your head around what's going on and what's coming. Yeah. I mean, because taxes are one of those things that like, we all know we need to do it, but it is not the most fun. I know this isn't the Mm -hmm. most exciting like topic, but it is a really important one. And if we can go ahead and start like at least prepping, like you said, Mm -hmm. at least start getting those pictures filed away, those PDFs filed away where they need to go. Then it just makes our life easier when we're ready to like, do our taxes. So if you're doing TurboTax or Mm -hmm. HP or any of those other ones, I don't remember all the names of the tax software anymore. I, you know, so. Well, and I feel like it's important if we have, you know, smaller farmers um, that are starting out and, you know, understanding that, you know, getting this stuff, what you need, where you can go for resources. I mean, the world rolltax.org site itself has like so much resources it's on there so as great. well. And I like yeah. their format and their setup of their yeah. websites. Really, to me, it's a lot easy. easier to use than the IRS website, very, to be honest. Very easy. Yeah. Very you, easy. You, you are, it's easy to find what you're looking for on there. So, so nice. I really yeah. like it. That's why I was like, yeah. I use a lot of their information for stuff. So yeah. it's... Well, thanks, Shannon. Hmm for sharing all the tips about getting yourself prepared for the ag tax season. You know, that's, I swear, tax season comes up way too quickly. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So good to be prepared. Yeah. So, and if you guys have any questions, feel free to reach out to me, you know, happy to talk to you some about whatever, you know, or try and help you locate the right person, one or the other. Yeah. So, but. All right. We hope our listeners found this informative and that it'll be useful for your plans now and in the future. Also, if you have not already done so, please be sure to fill out our Feedback Fest form linked below to let us know your thoughts about this podcast so we know what you would like to hear more of in the future. Yes. And make sure to follow us on our social media pages, the Livestock Balaal and Livestock Extension Group, if you haven't already. And be sure to visit the UHCTAR Extension website and our YouTube channel listed in show notes. Yep. And for additional information about this, be sure to see the show notes, the description box of our YouTube page, all that jazz. And thanks for listening to the Livestock Vala Owl. And before we go, show some love to your favorite podcast. That's us, by the way, by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you listen to this. And then stay tuned for next month. Thanks again to our sponsors, the Western Extension Risk Management Education Center, Western Region Agricultural Stress Assistance Program, Farm and Ranch Stress. Thanks again to our sponsors, WERME. RASAP, Farsan Network, USDA NEPA, the Livestock Extension Group, and CTAR. Mahalo for listening. Ahoy ho. Ahoy ho.